0: I often think about the psalmist in Psalm 25, verse number 11, when he talks about a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. And you know, when you and I analyze this verse, this phrase, a word fitly spoken, it means that it's inserted just at the right time it means that you and I have thought about what we're going to say before we say it. Now, I don't know about you, but I know in my lifetime that sometimes I did not give an ear to what was being said to me, but perhaps was wanting to get my thoughts across to maybe another individual. And I believe that if I were to do that, then I would be violating the Scripture. Which I have done. And so we all need to get better at listening, as James tells us, and maybe less in speaking out. But yet at the same time, the Bible does tell us that we have to speak. It said a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures, 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 pictures. <laughs> My wife's laughing at me as silver. And of gold. I want us to consider how we can have words that are fitly spoken. As the scripture that was just read in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 6 Let your speech always be see- with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. In other words, if I can possibly do it, if I if I have any inkling at all, then I ought to be able to put in speech <clears throat> a clarity to make it palatable to an individual when I'm speaking to them. Now, I know we joke around. I know we say a lot of things to each other jokingly and such as that. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you and I have a religious discussion. When we have those things we're talking about concerning the Bible itself, should we not, and I know that I need to do this, Did I need to let my speech always be with grace. I need to be clear in my speaking. Seasoned with salt? Well, you don't like food. Well, you may. I don't know, but I don't. When I eat food, I want some salt on it. I want to be able to taste my food and, and have it to be palatable. And so with every effort we have, with every mind-thinking word that we speak, we ought to be able to, in other words, engross, in engrasp in that individual's thinking and also be graceful as we do it. Now, we need to know how we ought to answer every man. Now, by answer here, it means that you and I need to know how to have a dialogue. That's where God comes in. God leads us in that direction. God tells us how we need to speak to one another. I'd like for us just for a little bit to analyze. In analyzing this verse, he spoke of what our qualities of our speech should be like. First of all, he says, always with grace. It should be such with reveals the grace of the Heavenly Father when he spoke unto us. There's one thing God understood, and that is that when I'm speaking through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, that the person I'm speaking to, the individuals I have created, do not know everything. We do not have the mind of God. We don't have that omniscience. But we do have what God has told us and what God has taught us. And so therefore, you and I can go to God's Word and we can speak with that grace. God gives grace. He gave us the opportunity to come along, to bring ourselves about, to get into the mode of right thinking. In other words, just to follow after what he says. Secondly, seasoned with salt. I've talked about that. That means I need to try to choose every word to where, when one hears it, they're not necessarily offended. Now, in the verse he gives us here in Colossians chapter four and verse number five, it says very simply here concerning our conduct toward those who have not obeyed the gospel. When he tells them, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Johnny's been doing a marvelous job on Wednesday evening, and we've all been doing some things and discussing this. When we approach someone that is not a Christian, we cannot approach them in such a way that it's going to be, you might say, our way or the highway. We have to be able to be willing give that person opportunity to come along but also we need to be carefully listening to them now I want to bring up something here that is a little difficult for us sometimes if you go to 2nd Timothy chapter 4 which I don't believe is in your notes there but I want you to go with me there and I want to begin at verse 1 because putting together these words, using that which is graceful, using that which is salt, which means we can show and give taste to what we say, it always ought to be God's Word. But Paul told Timothy some things here that Timothy, if he was going to preach the Word, if he was going to be a Christian, he was going to have to be able to deal with. And brethren, I encourage each and every one of us, this is not only for one that may call themselves a preacher, and all a preacher is is one that stands before people and delivers a lesson or should be from the Word of God. Should not be their own thinking, should not be something they've conjured up in their mind. They should not be a bully in speaking. That's what we're talking about. But the words that come from God's word, they ought to be that which is pleasing to the ear. And all of us enjoy that. And it would be like silver and gold, that precious. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Now notice these words. Because these words that are going to be spoken are not going to be accepted by everyone. They're not going to be accepted. Maybe sometimes it's going to hurt feelings. And maybe sometimes it's going to be that which they're going to look at you and not like you because you speak them. But the idea here, he says, that we are to judge and we are to do his appearing. And when he says, preach the word, he says, in season and out of season. There are things and there are times when I would rather just walk away from a discussion. I would rather just walk away from the very idea of having to deal with any issues whatsoever. But brethren, if we're truly Christians, our conscience will not allow that when we have the Word of God here, and it's the salvation of a soul that's in danger, perhaps even my soul, if I'm not thinking correctly. But notice he says, and the first word he uses is reprove. In other words, I need to reestablish constantly. I need to reestablish it to myself. I need to go to the Word of God and make sure what I'm saying is that which I can prove. And reprove means to help correct or to instruct someone else in a lack of knowledge. I have a lack of knowledge in a lot of areas. I have a lack of knowledge when it comes to God's Word. That's the reason you and I should study it continuously all the time. We should never give up on it. But brethren, there has to be a time when maybe you come to me and you tell me, Bill, you misunderstand this. You're not thinking straight. And I will want to listen to that and pay attention. I should be willing to receive it with love and care for my soul as well as administer it. Was not Paul telling Timothy here, This is what you need to do? But also he says, Reprove, look at the word rebuke. Do we need to explain that there is a time of rebuking. But this is not Bill rebuking whenever I read the Word of God. This is not me. This is not me saying this or doing this it is us reading the Scriptures together. It's kind of like you and I, as we've been studying, as I said a moment ago, in, in, in personal work. Does there ever come a time when there is an individual or there is a person that you want to help them and they obey the Gospel and their souls to be saved, when you have to tell them plain out or read from God's Word that they are lost? Does that kind of time ever come? Do you think that individual is necessarily going to accept that and say, oh, that sounds good to the ear, that sounds great, that sounds wonderful? I guess what I'm saying here, when the Bible teaches you and I, it's an attitude here that our words need to be spoken and come out as apples of gold and pictures of silver. You see, that's the idea, my attitude in speaking. How many times have we discussed, let them read it for themselves from the Word of God? That's why we come together to study. But then he goes on, he said, exhort, but notice another word here, exhorting, building up. That's what God's Word is intended to do, to build up, but he also says, do so with long-suffering. You're not going to accomplish everything in one discussion. Now, you and I can agree to disagree, and that's not always a good thing. Because that has led to a world that I know of, and a religious world, that says, okay, we can have unity and diversity, and as we've said a thousand times before, that's like throwing two cats over a clothesline. They have unity, but they sure don't have union. And so the fact is, they need to come to that understanding. And maybe it takes that painful suffering, that be long suffering. But notice something at the end of that verse there in First Second Timothy chapter four, in verse number two, doctrine. Doctrine is not always easy for people to accept, nor do they sometimes want to accept. it. What have we been studying on First Corinthians chapter fifteen? We've been studying about those Christians who are being led off into a direction that's going to cost them their souls. A group of individuals that's being led off by those others and maybe infants in Christ, babes in Christ, whatever we want to call them, new converts, call them whatever you like. But it amounts to this. It amounts to there is a lack of understanding or a lack of faith which needs to be builded up. And our faith is builded up With long-suffering, it's not built up just overnight. And so, that's the reason Paul is coming to them, writing to them. And also, he says here, we are to need, Colossians 4, number 5, we are to walk in wisdom toward them that are without, and those that need to study with you and I. But then there's another time when the Bible teaches us in these scriptures, In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it tells me, if you're going to be concerned about my soul, he said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, this is plainly pointing out that there is an individual, there is a Christian, there is a child of God, and they have been overtaken in a fault. We could name hundreds of them. But the point is, if a brother be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, it's going to take one that is spiritual in their thinking. It's going to take one that really is concerned about their brother or sister in Christ in approaching them. And notice he goes on to say, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That should take away, that should remove all the ideas of I'm going to show you I'm right. I'm going to show you that what I said is correct, because sometimes what I say is not correct. Just because I say something doesn't make it so. But if I turn to the Word of God, if we study the Word of God and God says it, that makes it so. Whether I believe it or not. I had a good friend one time that wrote a a book, 20 of my best sermons, and on every sermon at the end of it, he said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. He should have left the middle part out. Whether you believe it or not, that settles it. You see, that's the idea. If God says it, that settles it. So you and I look at that, and we say, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual restore such a one, in the spirit of meekness, consider in thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And that means that if my attitude is not proper, and I'm not doing it for a proper purpose, without bias, and just maybe I have a fault, and maybe I am falling, and I am being tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, the manner we speak the truth, even to the brethren, is very important. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look at verses 14 through 16. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine. In other words, brethren, there comes a time... When you and I, henceforth, no more be children, (coughs) no more be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. And that means, well, all kinds of doctrine is going to come our way, which doesn't make it God's doctrine, but it makes it man sometimes. There's going to be all kinds of disruptions. There's going to be all types of things said there's going to be all kinds of ideas and doctrines taught. We can already see through the New Testament that there were and there still are false teachers. And so he says here, We not be carried by the wind of every doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up unto him in all things which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted. That means coming closer constantly all the time, compacted. When you compact something, what do you do? You bring it to a place in which it comes together and it's very difficult to pull it apart. Compacted. Notice he says, Every part is to be compacted, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Every joint, every Christian, every mind, every brother and sister in Christ, as we love one another, let's come together and let's supply something. Supply something means to give someone that may need something or may need help spiritually, physically, whatever the case might be. But in this context, it's talking more about the spiritual. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase. And one wants to know, how can the church grow? How does the church grow? How can we make it grow? you and I being Christians, that we ought to be looking here, making increase of the body and of the edifying of itself. Edifying, that word edifying, that means more than just, oh, I love you, I care for you. It means that. But it means we need to be compacted, coming together in a close proximity, physically, mentally, in every respect maketh edifying, making it of itself in love, and that is a love that is very sacrificial. Now, whether or not a person we are attempting to reach is uh, is or is not a Christian, there's an admonition that Paul gives to us. Look at Second Timothy chapter two, verses twenty-three through twenty-six. Sometimes I find myself getting caught up in this very thing. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Unlearned questions means you can ask questions all day long, and you can talk about something you think, you can talk about something you've heard, you can talk about everything in the world, but it's unlearnable. You're not going to know. When God tells you and I that there is a reason for what he does, do you and I particularly going to understand every aspect of it? I had a person tell me the other day and ask the question, why did God use water to represent the blood of Christ? And then turn right around in the Lord's Supper and introduce the fruit of the vine to also represent the blood of Christ. I find that a legitimate question, but here's the answer. God said it. That's it. That's it. That's all I know. You and I, baptized into Christ, talks about a burial or resurrection. Representatively, of course. But there are some questions that are foolish and unlearned questions. He said avoid those. Just avoid them, because you don't have an answer for them anyway. You can talk about them all day long. Listen, I love the History Channel, but I hate this aspect of it. Aliens. All we want to talk about is aliens. Who come to this earth before man ever existed? Who did this? Who did this? Garbage, baloney, nobody. Get back to real history. <laughs> Not things that are thought up by people. Knowing that they do gender what? What do the foolish and unearned questions gender? Strife, strife, and if we get the feeling so hard on those subjects, strife is going to come about. Can I insert something here? And if later you don't like what I say, then you can tell me. There are a lot of things about politics that I don't know about, I don't care about, and it's certainly not one of my priorities when it comes to being a Christian. But I hear my brethren wrangling back and forth constantly over the political world and the things that are going on there. Let me understand something and taste something. When it comes to God's doctrine, when it comes to God's morality, you know it, homosexuality, abortion, you name it, those things, drinking, all all kinds of things, gambling. Our government is wrong in those things. And the people that vote for it and don't vote against it, they shouldn't vote against it. But I'm not going to get here and get into a discussion on that. I'm going to preach the Word of God. And God's Word is always right concerning those things. Amen. We had better pay attention. And the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle and to all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Notice this, if God be progventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Sometimes I have to acknowledge, Bill, you've been wrong. I've had to do it. I'm not saying I won't have to again. But if I find a Bible truth and I've been ignoring it or I've not been living up to it, then brethren, I am going to change. I have determined to do that. You know why? I want to go to heaven. And it's more than a want, it's a desire, it's something that I have set my heart on, and I have stubborned up on it. And God, Prodventure, will give them repentance for the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves. I need a time of recovery. You know, I haven't had many surgeries in my life, but I had one. Well, actually it was two at once. I'm not going to discuss one part of it. But I'm here to tell you right now it was painful in recovery. You guys know. You, you know what it is to have a surgery. You know what it is to be sore. You know what it is to hurt. You know what it is to have pain, some more than others. But there is a time of recovery. And that is the same with any individual that spiritually gets off track. There needs to be a recovery. There needs to be that time when you and I continue to love them, care for them, and be patient with them, and strive ourselves to say and to do the right thing at the right time. You see what we're saying here? If any of you, as Jesus asked the woman, or asked the Pharisees that attacked the woman in John, any of you here, without sin, cast the first stone. Notice he goes on to say themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Now what you and I are going to have to do is speak words unto those people. But it has to be God's word, it has to be doctrine. We are to present the whole truth and nothing but the truth on these religious topics. And it has to be that way. The following passages look at these first Peter chapter four and verse number eleven. If any man speak, let him speak what? As the oracles of God. First Peter chapter three, look at verse number fifteen. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You have hope. You have hope. And that hope is founded upon a foundation. And that foundation is God's Word in Jesus Christ Himself. That is what we can let people know and we can tell them. Let's open it up. Let's read it. Let's study. Because in John chapter 1, and beginning in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14 it said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, my friends, there has to be that sanctifying wisdom coming through God's Word. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Put Him uppermost. Also, there are others, the areas which our are words should be fitly spoken. Words of praise should be well thought out. What I mean by this, I guess, is that when we honestly give someone praise, let it be genuine. Let it be honest. <laughs> I uh, I used to hear, but I think people have given up on me, but now. But used to, when I was young, and I would get through with a sermon, why some people would come, oh, that's great, that's wonderful. And I didn't feel like it was always, but anyway, it doesn't matter what I felt. But there was this one person that came by every time. One of these days, you're going to make a good preacher. And they just gave up on me and quit saying it, I guess. But, you know, that's been a long time ago. And that that individual, you know, is actually, J.J., is your grandpa <laughs> he used to tell me that all the time. One of these days, you're going to make a good preacher. And hopefully I haven't disappointed him. But the idea is that people say things sometimes, but the truth is always best. Couraging, yes, anybody that teaches God's Word doesn't matter whether they're dynamic in the pulpit or they're not. Many of you know Brother Robert Taylor is very, very ill right now. I've heard it said that when you listen to Brother Taylor, you you really have to pay attention, because sometimes he's a little dry, as some people put it. Brother Taylor speaks the truth. He is a good man, a loving man, a godly man. And know, oh, how I respect him. His daughter sent word the other day that he wasn't doing very well. So pray for Brother Taylor and pray for his family. But also, in Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Brethren, I deserve credit for nothing, but God deserves credit for everything. It is God who brings me to where I am. But for the grace of God, I look into the world and I say, They go I, Praise thee, O God. Psalm 34, verse number 1. Look at Romans 3 and verse 13, excuse me, verse 7. It says, Always give honor to whom honor is due." I believe every human being, because they have a soul, deserves a certain amount of honor and respect. Words of appreciation, recognition of those who have done commendable things goes a long way in us being able to talk with each other. And closely related to the words of praise are words of edification. Going into the last part of our lesson, when we edify, we build up, not tear down. And so let's see if we can possibly do that. Look at James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to the wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes our eagerness and our wrath builds up. Now, I'll be honest with you, this is something I have fought all my life. Being over, over exuberant, I guess, in some areas and sometimes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, and that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Our speech should reflect good judgment, is what it's saying. James 1, verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. None of us possess perfect wisdom that we will be times when we either say something that should not have been said or fail to speak up when we should. And then there's something else. In James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, but giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. How? Through the word of God today, through prayer, through study. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. For let that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. And there does come a time when you and I, no matter what the doctrine might be, whether it's a false doctrine or a true doctrine, coming from God's Word, we better make up our mind on it. We better make up our mind because we're going to have to speak it to someone else. It is probably wise to say something that is on our mind in a given situation, give prayerful thought before getting it. I'm not just trying to get a load off of my mind. I'm not trying to get my pound of flesh. If I have that attitude, then I need to go bury myself under the covers, and I need to stay there until I get things straightened out in my own mind, in my heart, in my life. That goes for me. I'm talking to Bill. And Proverbs 29, verse 11, And a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. In other words, I don't have to say everything I think, because I might be wrong. But a wise man does what? Keepeth it in till afterwards. Till after I listen to you. Till after we've prayed. Till after we have opened the Word of God and we have studied it together, then we should speak. Yes, God does not provide wisdom in a supernatural way either, but provides experience in His inspired Word for the purpose, and providentially will provide us means to gain wisdom in the natural realm. That is experience. Brethren, yes, it is great to hear good words. <clears throat> they are to be spoken in the right manner. But yet we must preach and teach God's Word to the lost, whether that is the lost in the world, or us, perhaps, if we be lost even in the church. That comes to my mind when I begin to think about 1 Corinthians 15, last week, very seriously. There's always a reminder. There's always something that comes up. There's always something that I look at, I've read a thousand times, but then I go back and I read it again. And certainly we do not want to be a people without hope. But those brethren there needed correction. They needed instruction. But they needed it through the wise wisdom of God's Word. And to those that listened, to those that were saved, <coughs> it was apples of gold and pictures of silver. Let us always listen to God's Word. Perhaps you're here today and you have not obeyed the gospel of Christ. Do you need to repent? Confess Christ before man. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. And continue to live a faithful Christian life. And not a Christian, yes, that's what God's Word says you need to do. You can see it right here. Take that. Take a picture of it. And study it. If there are those here that they slip back into the world or they're drifting. No matter whether it's me or someone else, let us repent. Let us change. Let us come back to the Heavenly Father before it's eternally too late. Brethren, all we can do at this time is encourage you and help in any way we can so that we do while we stand and while we sing.